Let's go. Welcome to the Loans on Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We, we, we give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans on Demand podcast. I hope you're ready for the Loans on Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans on Demand show, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today I'm so excited to have Scott Peckford on the show. Scott is a total savage. He hails out of Canada. Where, where are you from, actually? So, tell us a little bit about yeah, yourself. Kelowna, it's Kelowna, Canada. It's near Vancouver on the West Coast. Nice, man. Nice, man. I know you've been, uh, I know you've been in, uh, in the mortgage space for, for quite a while. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, uh, you know, and, and why, why should we listen to you, right? Maybe we well, shouldn't. Maybe know. you shouldn't. I don't know. Maybe you're like, screw this guy, delete. Uh, so I've been in the mortgage business since 2006 and I have a podcast as well. I don't actually do many of these kind of shows. So this is kind of fun to be sitting on, in the hot seat, if you will. So I have a podcast yeah. called I a Mortgage Brokering. And uh, so I've been doing that for about six or seven years, six, seven years. I can't remember when I started it exactly. And um, we have a academy. So we train mortgage brokers and loan officers. We have a, a, several different things that we, we ha- offer through that. And I also have a mortgage brokerage that most recently we just started. So we have one of the, the, the fastest growing mortgage company in Canada anyway, in terms of agent acquisition. And so I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm working harder now than I've ever worked in my life, but I'm having fun. I'm like, I, I would be bored just doing one thing. I think that's just my personality. Sure, man. Yeah. Sure, man. And so and I love, I love to dive into your, uh, your, your mortgage brokerage here in a second, but before we get there, let's talk real quick about Talk about your journey, right? Like, I think uh, when we were talking pre-show, you, you mentioned that you, you were in the business before. You kind of started the podcast or doing some coaching. Oh, okay. Like sure. Yeah, I can tell you that. So, yeah. So, I, yeah. I was at, in 2006, I was a, the mortgage broker and I actually was a paramedic before I was a mortgage broker and my wife was a new mortgage broker and we found out she was pregnant and I was going to go get my next level of training as, as in paramedics. And, but I would have had, had to commute and I was like, I don't want to do that. So, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go be a mortgage broker with my wife. I'm like, like, okay. how hard can it be? Right. Like, what the heck? And when <laughs> I was 20, I wanted to be a financial advisor, but I looked 15. I had a very young face. And so n- nobody in their right mind was going to give me their money. They're like, dude, what Like, what are you doing? And even when I was a paramedic and I looked 20 when I was 20, like I would get nurses be like, does your mom know you're out this late? Like they would literally like harass me about how <laughs> young I looked. And patients would be like, are you really the person taking care of me? Because I just did this, you know. So in any case, I did that for nine years, moved into mortgages. And the, the guy that hired my wife, he said, you know, he really, he tried to recruit her, convinced her to join. And then when she said, uh, yeah, okay, I mean, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. He's like, oh, like, you know, he's like, he can't, he can't say I can't hire you because you're getting pregnant. Of course like, that's, that's illegal. Yeah. So, but she's like, don't worry, we got a plan. My husband's going to come work with me. He's like, all right, let me meet your husband. He meets me, interviews me, sits down with my wife and's like, this is a terrible idea. Your husband is not cut out for this business. This will not work. <laughs> he is going to suck. This is what he said. He basically told her I was going to suck. And honestly, it was the best thing he could have done because it made me go, what do you mean I'm going to suck? And then I worked like a dog, man. I like, you know, dove into coaching, getting coached, getting sales training because I didn't know anything about sales. Like I literally sales to me was like a dirty word. And into the first year as his top guy, top guy at the end of the second year of his company and then went off and started my own company. And so I actually and later, many years later, him and I have laughed about this. We took him for took him for lunch and. Uh, but I was like, I needed to be told I couldn't do it. Cause then I, I was like, Oh, don't tell me I can't do it. If he would have said, Oh, you're going to be great, Scott. You're going to, you, I can tell you, I would have probably been, I am going to be great. And I would have coasted. I would have probably right. been the worst advice. First thing he could have done for me. So I actually think I, I'm grateful that he told me you don't have what it takes. Cause I was like, I, 
damn you. Right. It was, I, I had to flip that. So, yeah, I love that, man. That's the, the little, the, the, I guess the proverbial chip on the shoulder, right? Like, Hey, someone, someone said you couldn't do it. And so of course you're going to go prove them wrong. Uh, I think, well, I think we he, all he, kind of started. Yeah, sorry. He did sorry, one last thing on that. So he actually was right though. Cause my mindset around sales was sales was something that was, you know, you were taking your sleazy car yep. salesman, like, Hey, let me sell you a broken car and not tell you. And it was only when I had a, a shift in my mindset that I'm not selling, I'm serving. So when I was like, oh, cause as a paramedic, you served, I'm like, okay, I can serve people. And then if I, if I had, once I had that mindset shift of I'm not selling, I'm serving. And then I learned that sales was simply just communication. And so the better I get at communicating, the better I can serve and telling people no is sometimes serving them. Then I was like, okay, I'm off to the races, but it was a, it was like a mental grind to make that shift. Cause I I had this preconceived notion that salespeople sucked. And now I teach sales, which is like, is even more ridiculous to think that like, how the heck is a guy who like literally had zero sales skills was told by the guy who hired him that you don't, you can't do this. And now I teach it, but I think it's because I was able to, with coaching and with, you know, uh, lots of mindset work, able to switch the flip, flip the switch and go from it's serving. And my intention is always to serve. And sometimes I'm like, man, we're not a fit. Just say no to people. And that's how you can build, you build more trust by saying no than by saying yes. You know, a lot of times people think you have to say yes and try to make everything fit. Tell them no. And they're like, wow, you know, go back to your lender that you already told. They got a great deal. Take it. So like, really? I'm like, yeah. And then the trust you build in those situations is significantly higher than if you are trying to make everything fit when you know it's not a fit. Anyway, that's my, yeah. my yeah, and kinda, I, that was, that was the psychological flip switch that had to flip for me to be able to, to, I think, succeed in this industry. And I would like to pull on that thread just a little bit um, because, because I think that's a common misconception in, in the space uh, or just, to, I guess that's the a common misconception about sales is that it's sleazy, it's dirty, it's, you know, these things, but like, like you said, Sales is simply serving and, and identifying if someone has a problem and seeing if you're the solution for their problem. If you're not the solution, you tell them otherwise, right? And I think people think that sales means convincing people of something they shouldn't be doing. That's not true. Sales is identifying a problem, seeing if there's a solution. If you are the solution that's best for them, great. You need to convince them that it makes sense to work with you, right? Because if you really truly believe that you're the right. best person that, to solve that problem, then you should be so convicted that you convince them of why they need to work with you and why they need to work with you now. I think yeah, that's the other exactly. thing too. People are like so worried about, oh, well, this person, you know, they want to wait six months. Well, why do they want to wait six months? Do they want to wait six months because that's what they think? They need, they think they need 20% down or do they need six months because they really truly need to gather some more money and they really need, like, what's the real truth? And, you know, yeah. sometimes people need to hear that there's a very real opportunity cost to wait six months, right? Absolutely. Even if you're not yeah, quite yeah. ready. But it and takes- And I think too, your, your job as a mortgage broker is always to think, you got to think two or three steps ahead. Like a good golfer doesn't, I'm not a good golfer, but I just get up and all I'm trying to do is just hit somewhere that I can find it again. But a good golfer is placing every shot. It's thinking two, three, four shots ahead. A good mortgage broker, loan officer needs to be thinking for their clients, two, three, four mortgages ahead as much as possible. doesn't mean you're going to be able to, things aren't going to change, but if you're not thinking far enough ahead for them, you're not helping them. Like, you know, which means understanding what are their goals? Are they going to be in this property short-term, long-term? Do they want it like, you know, oh, this is temporary. We're going to be here for two years and we're going to do this. Or, you know, you need to, you need to really dive into some of that stuff to, to be able to advise people. And I think sometimes, uh, and that just, that comes back to being good at serving because then you can really tailor a solution that is, you know, f- perfect for that person. Yeah, so. I agree. And I, th- I think there's also this weird sort of like, I educate my people. I educate my people, yada, yada, yada. And that's great, right? Like it's good to educate your clients, things like that. But I think people try to educate people too early. And what ends up happening is they actually confuse the prospect, right? And a confused mind never buys, right? So like educating them on the percentages of PMI and DTI and things like that on your first sales call is probably not the right 
some time to do that, right? Because all you're going to do is you're going to scare them away and they're going to be like, this is way too complicated. I don't want to do that. Um, yeah. That can happen later. Like you can, you can teach them that stuff later once they're your client, but like but if they sometimes need to people give away their power. If they need to know, if exactly. they need to know That's it. True. If they even, if they don't need to know it. So sometimes you can actually lose a sale. So I was taught this once by a great sales trainer and I've spent, it's one thing I have changed it shifted is I spend money on coaching and training like all like if somebody knows how to do something faster I'm like show me the way I want to I, I do not want to waste time figuring it out and so uh and he said to me he was like you know if let's say your solution solves 10 problems right you you whatever you have and then your client comes to you and they say they have these two problems show them how your solution solves those two and shut up like if you start going and it does and it does this and it's it slices it dices you're going to get a slap chop and they're going to be like whoa I trusted you now I don't trust you anymore because you've actually it feels like you're trying too hard to sell me like so if you know I always think if there's two problems and if I can solve those solve those problems I don't need to go into if there's eight other benefits that that they haven't specifically needed or I, then why would you bother confusing them with that because you'll lose the you'll lose the sale by confusing people so anyway it's funny it's, it's funny you say that because we, i interviewed uh, adam hires uh and he literally talked about the same so i don't remember what which episode it is but he literally talked about this time where this pretty big producer realtor reached out to him because she started hearing all these cool things about uh, about him, right? So she reaches out to him. He gets on the call. He pitches her like, oh, we close in 21 days and we do this and we do that. And she's like, wow, closing in 21 days sounds stressful. I just want to know that you can close on time, right? Mm -hmm. So like he didn't take the time to listen to what she actually wanted. And he was pitching her all these things that he thought she wanted. He's like, I never got a deal from her ever because I was pitching her something that she didn't really want, right? I, was, I thought yeah. she wanted 21 day closings. All she wanted was to close on time, right? Like she, she didn't yeah. want to push harder than she had to. She just wanted to make sure it was done within the, the yeah. perimeters or the, or the time. Ex so that's exactly, you got to listen. You got to listen, right? It's like, if you go into a, you know, a, a bed store, like sleep country or whatever, these different ones we have, and, and then they just try to start selling you and they don't even ask you questions to find out what you need. I'm like, dude, you're just, that's a salesperson. You know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested in that. What I want is somebody who's going to ask me questions, understand what I need, and then tailor that solution. Even if I already know, like as a professional, I probably know. You walk in, I know what I know what you need pretty quick. Right. Sometimes you're surprised, but don't don't give them the solution until you've helped them really articulate what their problem is, and then they'll 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 buy your solution all day long, right? Well, and so, they, and they I, have I, yeah. to they have to articulate it, right? Because this is something a, a sales trainer of mine said. He's like. Usually about six, seven, eight months into a job, a closer, a salesperson goes through a slump. And the reason for that is because they start to assume. And whether or not the assumption is correct or not doesn't matter. What matters is that the prospect no longer feels heard because you're not asking the questions, right? And so but you're not listening. And you're not listening it. to the answers. You're just moving yes. on. You're, if you are asking them, you're just going next, next, next. And they yep. can tell you're just going through a, like a script. And then it feels yep. like, dude, you even you don't even care, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not I asking good questions. That. You're just assuming. So, um, yeah. So I, I love all that, man. Uh, but, but let's kind of move on to that next that next piece. So you you started the mortgage broker, or, or I guess you started doing some loans. You, you produce great. Then you started this new coaching thing. Talk tell us a little bit about that. What are you kind of doing in that program, and how how's that kind of helping your your loan officer clients? Okay, so we have uh, so for the last five years, my focus has been on helping people who knew how to do mortgages do more. So if you were doing a hundred grand a year, we can show you how to go to two hundred. Or if you're doing two hundred. And so I always focused on this sort of making you more efficient, but I didn't teach you. If you didn't know what you're doing, I'm like, I can't help you because that's like, that's a whole other, you know, the failure rate in the mortgage industry for new people is extremely high. And so, but we've had, we had really good success with that. And so, but 
I was getting a lot of new people reach out to me and say, can you train me? Can you train me? And I'm like, ah. And so I ran an experiment. I did a program for new people and it sort of worked. And what happened was, is that because I taught, I teach sales. I don't teach the underwriting and I don't teach the, there's right. like, there's, I think there's three pieces to this. There's finding business, especially we do referral based finding, converting. So now you got the bleed. If you don't get them to convince work with you, you're dead. And then you got to get it funded. So then it's like, where do you place it? What's the package? Like all that stuff. Right. And sure. so. Um, when I did this program, I helped, I could help almost anybody find business if they could follow the, kind of the plan. But then if they didn't have good support on the back end, they wouldn't get them funded They're, You know, they didn't have, because especially these were new people. And so then yes. I thought the only way, only way I could solve this was to start a brokerage where we would train new people and they would join us. So we put them on a 50, 50 split for their first 10 mortgages. We would, we treat, coach them on find, convert and find. Like we literally, it's, it's like, you know, like a football team that has coaches for everything. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. They literally are, and it's completely outlined for them. And I thought that my initial thought was they're going to come with me. I'll do 10 deals with them and then I'll send them off wherever they want to go. But they're like, we don't want to leave. And I was like, what do you mean you don't want to leave? I'm like, you know, that's the, that's what we set up. And they're like, no, we want to stay. And I was like, crap, I didn't think about that. And then the second thing that happened was I had, because uh, I know a lot of people in the Canadian mortgage space anyway that are very experienced. Some of them that do like a couple hundred million. They're like, hey, we want to join your company. I'm like, well, I didn't think about that. So I had to come up with a model that actually made sense for these experienced agents. And so that's what lo- rolled me into creating uh, our brokerage. And uh, and, and just a, a, a quick a snippet on that. It is essentially what I've looked And when I look at when I decided to create a brokerage, I was like, I'm not people say I'm creative. I'm not creative. What I do is I look outside of my industry. And I find things that work and I go, could that work here? So I love mortgage brokering, which I started six years ago, came from I love marketing. And I, it wasn't even original. It's like I was listening to this podcast. I love marketing. Dean Jackson and Joe Polish. I'm like, that'd be kind of fun to do. I started I love mortgage brokering, right? Then I started and now like we're, we're averaging almost 10,000 downloads a week. And then I have I started a um, Facebook group for my for that group because I was in Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income group. And I was like, maybe I should start a Facebook group. I got a Facebook group of 8,000 Canadian mortgage brokers. And um, wow. And so then when I looked at the mortgage space, I was like, well, what's innovating? Who's innovating in real estate? And I see is EXP. EXP is literally eating the lunch of all the other real estate companies. If you look right. at the market cap of Remax, of Century 21, like they're just going, oh. and EXP is like oh, up to the right. And so I was like, I'm going to create a mortgage company for Canadians that mirrors what EXP does well. And so cap commissions, rev share, stock options, you know, transparent contracts, collaborative environment. And the the interest and demand in that has been ridiculous. Like, because people are like, you know, this is what we were looking for. We were looking for something different. And so that backed me into this brokerage thing, even though I've said for years, I would rather shoot myself in the face and start a mortgage company because I love training, <laughs> but there's, there's complexity. You got legislation and, you know, licensing and it's just like uh, stuff that I hate. But in order to you solve know. this problem, I decided, yeah, P&L, like, yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh. I realize that in order to, but that's why, you know, it goes back to who, not how you got to have a good team. And so right. you know, make sure you have a good team and, you, and then stick to your lane, the thing that you're good at. And that's a long answer for that. That's all the things. And then the Academy is still running. So the 10 loans a month Academy has, uh, we have multiple coaches that are all different. You know, they all, I say they all have a different superpower and what they do is they coach you on, you know, over a quarter, and it's based on a quarter, you know, a certain outcome that we're, that we're aiming at. And that's been going really well. So, so uh, I have a couple, couple questions here for you. Um, in regards to, uh, you know, just kind of uh, a question geared more towards kind of the newer sort of people, 
what what would be something that like a, a new person can do pretty quickly right away to go out and go get business? And then kind of the follow-up question is going to be like, you know, what are what are you doing for these guys that are kind of bigger and like what are they doing differently? Okay, I'll give you I'll give you two kind of tactics. So I think a lot sure. of times people talk at 30,000 feet, but they don't talk at 3,000 and at right. 30,000 that's not useful. So I'll give you two tactics for in particular, I, one of my strengths is helping people find good realtors and get con- convince them to work with you. So the first tactic is what I call the quick question strategy, quick question email. And so uh, Dean Jackson, and see, again, there's good ideas. I saw Dean Jackson has something called the nine word email. So if you go look this up, you'll find the most effective. Have you heard of this nine word email? Is this the, are you still interested in? Are you still interested in property in, you know, whatever, Beverly Hills, question mark. And it was like an email that's one-to-one with a question is extremely compelling. So I was like, hmm, how do I, how do I use this in my mortgage space? And so what I did was I was like, okay, why don't I send an email to everybody that I know or message them, whatever. Hey, you know, Luke, if you were to list your house tomorrow, which realtor would you use? Question mark. Here's what happens. Luke goes, oh, I would use Sally. And I'm like, what's great about Sally? Oh my gosh. The last time I used Sally, she did. When I reach out to Sally, I say, hey, Sally, I was talking to Luke and she said about you. And I'd be crazy not to reach out to you, you know, and I'm at the point in my business where I get to pick and choose who I work with. And I'd love to sit down with you and show you how I can help you. She doesn't hang up on me because if she's rude to me, she's rude to you. And so that using your network to build that existing relationship is extremely effective, right? So that's the first, and anybody can do that, even if you're brand new. And when we do this email, we make it look one-to-one. We don't do like, it can't look like a newsletter. It's got to look like- Not BCC, not CC. Yeah, it's got, got to look, it's text-based. Don't make it, don't put it in a newsletter. No, because if you ask, when I was a paramedic, they taught us, they said, look, if you're in an accident scene and you need somebody to go call for help, don't say, can somebody call 911? You say, hey, you, in the white shirt. Yeah, you, can you call 911? And you know what'll happen? You'll call 911. If I say somebody, nobody does it. If I say to my kids, can somebody clean up the mess in the basement? Guess who cleans it up? Nobody, nobody cleans it up. They're like, I don't care about the freaking basement. But if I'm like, Carson, you're cleaning up the basement. Okay, dad, I'll yeah. clean it up. So yeah. uh, that's the first tactic. So you basically use your existing network to build that list, right? And then there's a whole fault strategy. The second strategy that's effective for if, if somebody's listening to this and you are a loan officer, mortgage broker, and you have a, uh, you know, you have some realtors that you're already working with and you're like, so, you know, the question is, how do I clone my best realtors? So this is what you, this is what you do, especially the ones that are referring you all their business. If, if you're my realtor, Luke, and you're like, you and I do a lot of business together, and the next time we say, hey, Luke, you know, man, I got to say last year was amazing working with you. You know, uh, our clients seem to really, uh, you know, you have fantastic clients. really enjoy it. I got a question for you, though. When you go on vacation, uh, who covers your listings for you? Right. You're going to say to me, oh, well, my friend, Bob. Oh, really? I, you know, I don't know, Bob. Would you mind introducing me to Bob? Because, you know, I really like working with you and I think I'm going to really get along well with him. Nine times out of 10, the realtor is going to introduce you to Bob. If they don't, if you, if some realtors are a little, you know, possessive. And so if you've got a possessive realtor, then you just say, Hey, do you mind if I reach out to Bob and just mention that we work together? Cause if you know what, if you trust them, I think I get along good with them. That has doubled. Like when I teach that to people, they're like, Oh my gosh, it was the easiest way to double my realtor partners. And it's the highest level of referral trust because you've already got the one person who trusts you. Right. And so it's very, it's a very easy tactic from a, if you already have three realtors, you should be able to, if you do that effectively, you should be able to go to six like that without any hassle. So. Yeah. It's funny because it's it's so simple yet so mind blowing. Um, but it's interesting because it's something it's a concept that I've been aware of for a while. And I want to touch on another thing as well in a second. Um, I th- well, I'll touch on it now. I think it's super interesting and super important for. I mean, loan officers are listening to this. Like Scott literally went outside of the mortgage industry to find things that worked right. And I think so many times we get stuck in our industry. Me for the internet market gets stuck in the internet marketing world, right? Loan officers get stuck in what you know all the loan officer coaches and all that kind of stuff. Where it's like it might make sense to go out 
you know, work with a marketing coach, a business coach, work with someone else that's not in that industry because they think differently. They have a different ideas. Every, everything seems to be recycled in, in the mortgage space. So I love that you're doing that. Um, when it comes to the like kind of attaching yourself to someone else, that's like one of the, I mean, sales 101, right? I mean, I don't know if you ever read the book, uh, The Conversion Code, but one of the, the sales strategies or the conversion strategies that he talks about in that book was like, when he worked for Quicken, he, he would always reference, oh, the, the owner of Quicken also owns, you know, the football team or whatever, right? So that's just the association that builds that trust up, um, which which I think is freaking phenomenal, right? Like you're literally leveraging someone else uh, to, to get to get there. Question for you real quick. I mean, for, for someone that kind of works with a system like ours, they're going direct to the consumer, they're getting leads. Is that a value play that, that you think works well um, with real estate agents? Um, so, okay. So uh, we work, so if somebody, let's say you do Facebook ads and you drive leads. So you, the quick question, here's what happens. If you have a big list, you're going to send out that email. And you're going to get people go, they're going to completely ignore the question and say, hey, I'm thinking of selling. Hey, can you help me with the refinance? Hey, my sister needs a place. You're like, I, that's not what I asked you. When you ask for advice, it's crazy how often you get business. So anybody with a big list, even if you are, you don't, I don't even need the realtor list. Um, just so these are just leads do, do it anyway. people that you've closed? People you close, reach out to them. Okay. You can, and then you can change it. A few months later, you can change, quick question, subject line, quick question. Hey, Luke. Uh, if you had $100,000 invest, who would you trust to help you manage it? Question mark. What do I want to know? Who are the financial people that I, that are, that's going to be a smaller response, but like I've seen response rates on that email of like an open rate of 79% and response hun, literally hundreds of your clients, they will blow up your inbox. You'll be like, what the frick happened to my inbox? unless you never email them. And then now you're starting a mini conversation back and forth, right? You can, a conversation doesn't have to necessarily, and then from there it can turn into opportunity. So I would do that with any list, even if it was a Facebook list. And, you know, and if you have realtors on there, they're going to be like, what do you mean? Like, cause you're going to get that. They're going to be like, kind of like, why are you asking me this question? And all you, you know, you say to them, Hey man, I'm just doing a survey in my database to find some leads for you. Oh, okay. Well carry on then. Like they literally, like <laughs> they, you know, they don't even care. Right. So like, yeah. it's all about, I think it was sales. Now I think it's all, you just have to have an answer. Like if you know what, if, if they have something they're going to say, if you know how to respond to it, it's easy. It's like, but if you don't know what you're going to say, that's when you run into trouble, right? You're like, oh crap, they just hit me with this. And now I feel stressed. And, but, um, so that's what confidence. I would say there on that, on that. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, and, and you just said, I mean, confidence is what, what makes the difference generally like for someone who's selling, like if you can have more confidence than the, if you have like the best script in the world, but have no confidence, Confidence is probably still going to close more deals than without confidence. So uh, yeah, oh, it's definitely for important. sure. I say like it's eighty percent mindset. So I, every morning I have a mindset routine I go through, and it, I could give you the worst scripts in the world, but if you worked on mindset religiously, you literally would still be successful. I could literally give you, I'd make you look like an idiot because you'd still figure it out because your mindset would just be like, I will find a way. And so, yeah, good scripting and tactics are helpful. But if you don't get the right mindset, dude, nothing's going to help you. Like your no script works if you if you don't believe it, they ain't going to believe it. So right. you have to really right. internalize it so that you believe it. But I, I'm back to your question about these other leads. So what another thing you could do, Luke, with them possibly is so it, I don't know what, what if they if they are they looking. So when you typically do this, are they looking for a mortgage or what? Give me the context. So I yeah, can yeah, yeah. So my sort of uh, approach and what I tell people is, is in the past, a lot of people have done like, hey, you know, I'm just going to send a bunch of leads to the real estate partner. I haven't found that to be super effective because unless you so happen to find a, a total savage real estate agent that's going to follow up, like most of the time they're not going to follow up. They're going to say the leads suck, right? So what I find is the biggest leverage point is getting them pre-approved and then having using that as the carrot and then using that. But that being said, I still think that 
you know, the first things first, like you, you can't do that until you're a good loan officer. Right. And I, I say this all the time, you have to be a good loan officer first. Like it doesn't matter how much business you give someone else. If you're continually dropping the ball on the process, you talked about this. Yeah, earlier, and you can't right? get like, them closed hey, and they're money. like, yeah, dude, forget it. You're just, you're wasting yeah. time and money. So, so that's the first thing, right? So first off you have to be a good loan officer and you have to work with a company that like can actually close your loans. Uh, but, but then like the, the leverage we tell them is like, Hey, like, isn't it so much more so much more powerful of a conversation. You can call the person kind of like what you said with, with, with the, Hey, you know, this person said this, um, in this case, we could say, Hey, like we're generating leads in your, you know, we're generating leads in your area. We're looking for, for real estate partners to, to partner with. That's kind of been the approach that we've, we've shown people, but I just kind of was wondering what you would, what you would say is a, is a good approach. So, if you're re- okay, so are sense. you reaching out to the realtor or you're reaching out to the, to realtor, your list yeah. of leads? Okay. So if realtor, I had realtor leads, in this case. um, how would I do that? Um, I, I'd probably like create, past- if it was, what's that? No, go ahead. I'd probably create some kind of a program. I like to name things. If you, if you creating a name on something creates like a it, this is a thing, right? Like versus, so I'd probably create some kind of like my realtor uh, accelerator package or I don't know something wrap. Well, that's just that's just I'm shooting from the hip. But then I would say, hey, look, we have a program where we generate uh, pre-approval leads, fully pre-qualified for you uh, for a select number of realtors for, for a small number of realtors. Um, and here's how it works. This is what we can. This is what you typically average. Figure out the numbers on this. So what in that market? What is the commission look like? Is this five thousand dollars? Like what are these leads worth? Right. So they're fully pre-qualified. Uh, they're worth you know this this amount. So we'll probably in the next year I can help you. Uh, you know with five more closed mortgages. Five more, four, five more sales. So let's say. Well, I don't know if that's a number. Is like whatever. Let's call it five. I help you with five. So let's say thirty thousand uh, dollars. Now the only thing about this is that we only work with people that are committed to to sending us their other business because we're we invest on the other side, right? Like so, I'm having this conversation. We invest right. on the other side to make sure we get this. So the way that it's got to be a reciprocal relationship. So hey, look, I'm gonna I'm willing to give you one lead. Um, to, to see if this is something a you can see the quality of it, but after that we're going to have a conversation. I'm going to ensure, and then if you're if you're like I'm in, then I want you to commit to sending me 100 of your other business, and we'll both make a lot of money together. How does that sound? I'd probably, and I'm literally just making this up as we go, but I'd probably do something I to love that it. effect. Uh, no, I love that. That's that's perfect. I think that's perfect. Yeah, because because then what happens is that they go and I'm I'm selling them, I'm giving something, but I'm also letting them know something else is coming. It's not just a one off. Because I know people who've done lots of giving out leads to realtors, but then they're like, I get nothing back, and they're like, Yeah, thanks, man. You know, it's like, well, no, 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 I'm I'm going to do one with you. I'm like, you're the prize. If you're the loan officer, if you're the loan officer generating business, you are the freaking prize. So don't act like you're not. So I'm I'm the prize. I'm going to pick if you are the kind of agent, which means, hey, I've got to I've got to before I can even ensure that I can let you in this program, I got to ask some questions about your business, Mr. Realtor. Right. This is probably how I would do it. I would say, OK, hey, look, I've got we've got a program that we've generated where we basically create we have pre-approvals. You know, on average, we'll get you five closed extra loans a year. Right. That works. What's your commission, by the way, Luke? I'd make you say it to me. Five. So what's that? Five times you saying it makes it more real. So if you said to me five thousand dollars commission, so twenty five grand. OK, twenty five grand. Here's, but here's how it works. We can only do it with a, a select uh, group of realtors and they also have to be at a certain stage. We can't give these to people that don't know what they're doing. So I need to ask right. you some questions about your business to find out if you even qualify. I'm qualifying you. I'm asking you questions about your business. How many ends did you do last year? Da, 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 da. I'm not going to do this with somebody who's got no work. Like, what's the point? Like, it's, I need to make sure right. that you have enough business for it to make sense. Now, when I know this, okay, great. I'm going to give you one for free. I'm going to show you these are quality. I've got them done. They're locked and loaded. Um, and then you, but here's the deal at the end of that, we're going to have a conversation. If this is something you want to continue and you want me to get you those other four or five, six, whatever that is, you got to commit to sending me a hundred percent of everything. All right. Yep. I love it. And then next deal. Okay. Deal closes, call them up. Hey man, wasn't that awesome? Isn't it? Okay. Looks like they agree. They can make the commitment. Fantastic. Hey, Oh, by the way, 
Uh, I have a question for you. Who's who covers for you when you go on vacation? Oh, okay. Can you introduce me to them? Like I probably, I, if I didn't do it then, I would certainly do it after two or three loans. I'd be like, I want an introduction. Hey, look, this is, I'm going to, this deal is for you and me, but I obviously need a couple. I, I always look for other realtor partners and I'd love you to introduce me to uh, somebody that you, so that I would, I would layer that together. That's probably what I would do. That's just my shooting from the this hip. Is, Cause this is gold shooting from the hip gold, man. It's, this is, this is awesome. I think it's huge. It's powerful, right? Because really that comes down to the expectations conversation that most people don't want to have, right? Like, you know, you, you get in a conversation, you think you're going to do all kinds of business together. You walk out the door and nothing happens, right? Because you never had an, a real expectations. Like, yo, know, like, and I think also, I think I like the subtlety of what you said, right? You didn't, I think what too many loan officers do when they do something like this, like, oh, I give you one lead. I want all your business right away. Right now you need to commit to it. And like, dude, you haven't proven anything. I think that's a big a big step to go from I give you one lead, even though these people have been giving you leads forever, right? Like these people have sent you, you know, last year and you and you never sent any specs your whole entire business off of one one thing, like before you've even done that. Easy. But I love the idea of like, okay, I'm gonna give you one. We'll work together, we'll figure out if we even want to work together. And from there we can decide what we want to do. But that being said, what we do is you're having that expectations. And if someone says no. Great. Now you don't have don't to waste the lead. Don't, you, wait, don't waste your freaking lead. And if you if you yeah. have the qualifying conversation and they don't qualify, say, man, so, you know what? It's it's not a fit, man. Because I like we I, we spend we invest a lot of time, money, and energy to go find these people, and so I, I I can't do it. Like I'd love to work with you as a just if you're interested, I'd be happy to work with you as a as a loan officer. We've got a great process, but for this program, you need to be you know you're not tall enough to get on the ride. Basically, you're not you got to right. be this tall to right. get on the ride. You're not tall enough. Sorry, like and. And then you're like, they're like, holy crap, this guy is like, you know, he's not messing around. So, um, uh, and it's kind of like you try before you buy. So it's like, if it's kind of like saying, look, uh, I'm going to prove to you that this is going to be worth it, but I'm also going to set an expectation that if you, if you're in, then you're going to be all in. So that's part of what I Yeah. I, I, I love that, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's huge. And then, like I said, I mean, you can, you can not waste that lead. The one thing, and it's funny, I don't remember who, who is it that told me this, but, um, Basically, one loan officer was telling me what they do when someone says, oh, I'm not interested. I say, oh, totally, totally understand that. Like, is there anybody in your office that would like that? that do you know anybody in the office would like to make an extra 15 grand this year? And they're like, what, wait, what? I want to make an extra 15 grand this year. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. Well, then do you want to book that appointment with me? Um, because basically, right. like, you're, you're, you're giving them that FOMO. Of like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty much going to give you 15 grand. I mean, if you talk about the commissions, and, and especially if you've already mentioned the whole you know, like, oh, how much are you getting paid? Oh, cool. You know, if I give you yeah, like, get them, one deal get them a year. So here's what I would probably call it qualified buyers program. So we bring you qualified buyers, pre-approved, all ready to go. But it, you got, we've got to, you know, this is not for everybody. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to give you one as a test. If they won't commit next, you will find yep. somebody who will take that deal. And then, I then love you're that. set. Well, and, and I think the, the caveat to that as well is that not all real estate agents are equipped to, to, to handle internet leads either, right? Like, yes, you've warmed them up. Yes, you've pre-approved them. But that doesn't mean that they can keep them excited, especially in a market like we're in right now that's super, super competitive. One of the biggest um, strengths of a real estate agent in this market and even a loan officer in this market is keeping your keeping your clients motivated to just keep putting offers in when they're, you know, we're getting rejected left and right. They're getting so, their teeth kicked in. Okay, let's do it again. Like, you know, uh, uh, yeah. so... Um, I just got beat out by 50 offers that were, you know, 50 were off asking if you're going to buy a house, you know? And so part of that is like getting them engaged and keeping them up to speed, right? Like you could give a pre-approval. I've heard of this in the past. So you just obviously be careful, but like I've heard of, of loan officers giving pre-approvals and the agent then refers them out to, to someone else for a lender. And it's like, well, that backfired. So clearly those conversations need to be had up front. You have to, so that, you that have happen. to, you are driving the bus. If they don't want to, comp- like I say this when I coach my clients about even working with clients, I'm driving the bus. If you don't like the way I drive, ding, 
you can get off. And it's just, and the most successful salespeople understand this. They're not actually, they are, uh, they have a personality called a challenger personality where they'll actually push you a little bit. Be like, dude, I, I can make you a ton of, we can, this could be a beautiful relationship. I would love to help you, but it's got to work both ways. And if it doesn't, right. cool. I'm not, I'm not in. Like, so if your people that are getting these leads have those, are willing to have those conversations, uh, you're set. And then the other thing is you, you touched on too, the, the realtors who like, do you get leads in one geographical area or is it like, cause you know, realtors tend to work in a, because it's like for listings and stuff, they, for the most part work in, but are, if I'm a loan officer and I'm getting, you know, leads in, uh, you know, where St. Louis, is it a part of St. Louis? Is it all of St. Louis? And, or is it like, how does it's gonna that work? Depend. Yeah, it's going to depend on, on, on the variables, right? Some people like to be super local. I, I prefer it if they go statewide, obviously, because you get better costs, things like that. Um, the hardest part is that so many people are stuck in this local mindset that they have to be local, which is okay. So I didn't know. So then maybe you got your St. Louis guy and you got your, you know, there's another community in that state. You've got your person in each, you've got your, your partner in each of those places. So you as the loan officer now have like, you know, eight, seven, eight, 10, uh, realtors in these different markets. So, but the other thing you could do is if like, I find I live in a place where people, you know, say an hour or so away, often or two hours away, realtors don't, they don't not going to travel two hours. So they have a buddy in that other market. So right. they're like, Hey, if people move from here to there, they got somebody to refer to. So this goes back to the same thing. I get my guy in St. Louis and I know there's a town outside of St. Louis. Who is your buddy outside here that you refer to? Can you introduce me to them? Because I'd like to talk about this opportunity. So I'm uh, just using it, that. I always want to use the existing relationship to find other relationships whenever possible. Right. So, well, and, and um, you would assume that those people are going to be, you know, if you already like working with that person, you're going to assume, you know, yeah. most of the people that that person interacts with as well are going to be similar type of people, right? Because we're all attracted yeah. to people that are similar to us, um, which you know is, is a good referral source. That's awesome, man. Um, any any last sort of uh, tips here for for loan officers kind of getting started uh, to go out and go get some loans, man? I mean, you know, obviously we we already have a couple tips here, but anything like what, what's like the, uh, the one thing that you would tell a new loan officer uh, to go get business? Well, I would say we did, we did a lot of tactical stuff. We talked about a lot of different tactics on here. I would say the as we touched on already, the most important thing you have to do is it's got to be mindset. You have got to develop you know, direct and protect your mindset. And so I have a, a very specific morning routine that I do. You know, I coach people on creating a morning routine because the the world's going to kick your head in. So I, I think that the number one thing that loan officers, mortgage brokers need to develop is a mindset. And that comes through having intentional, you know, uh, having a morning routine that you use to, to direct your mindset, protect it. So remove like, I, 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 there's people on social media that they post stuff. I'm like, I follow you. I don't need to see that. You're just like, it yeah. gets in your head. I don't watch news. The only news I watch is if it's really important, I'm going to find out about it. I am very careful about protecting the mindset because that's everything. Like if you protect that, you're, you're golden. But if you don't just like, uh, and then if you struggle with sales as a general term, flip it, it's service serve people and serving sometimes means telling them no, and you're going to feel great and you're going to have more confidence in yourself and they'll have more confidence in you. So if you're not the right fit, just tell them I'm like, dude, this well, is, the, I don't, this is, we don't have the right program for you. Like go over here. They're going to be like, wow, nobody does that. That's what we do. And then and you'll sometimes, build more trust. Yeah. And sometimes it's also, you know, holding people accountable to what they say they want. Cause like, you know, the, the other truth is that people are, are fearful. They're fearful of making you changes. And the truth is a mortgage is the biggest transaction you're ever going to make. So sometimes you have to assure them that it make that it makes sense. Right? That, yeah, that doesn't mean totally. you're convincing someone that's not qualified or someone that sh- has no business buying a house to buy a house. That's not what that means. I mean, there's, there's still ethics there, but I think, you know, it's both sides, right? Like you, you have to have the hard conversation on if that's not a good fit for them. 
And you have to have the hard conversation on like, yo, like this is why you need to do this now, um, yeah. if it makes sense. Um, so I love that, man. This That's incredible, man. But um, so real quick, where can, uh, if loan officers want to go and find more about you, your program, can loan officers find you? Sure. Um, so uh, there's two. So I love mortgage brokering. We got some podcasts there that we produce. Um, you can go check those out. And then if you want the coaching that we only open it up a few times a year is at 10 loans a month, the number 10.com. And uh, yeah, come check it out, man. It's a, uh, you know, I, I love this industry. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And, and this congrats on starting your show. I think it's fantastic. I mean, we had connected a long time ago through a, a yeah. you know, joint person that we both knew. And so I love seeing you do your show. So anything I can do to help you get it going, man, and, you know, keep crushing it, brother. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for being here, man. It's been a pleasure. And again, if you are interested in reaching out to Scott, make sure you go, I'll put it in the show notes, the the links to um, to the, the sites that he mentioned. Um, but he's got a lot of great content. Um, I, don't you have like YouTube as well? And you have Facebook? No, and well, like YouTube that? is weak, man. It's mostly just my shows. Okay. We put them on there with an idea to read. It, it does kind of work a little bit, but I have never got into, I'm working at, uh, we're working at TikTok right now. Although I, okay. I swear to God, TikTok is the crack cocaine to social media. It's like, I will <laughs> open that thing up and I'll be like, where did two hours go? I literally got nothing done. Like it's so addictive. So yeah, just be yeah. careful. You've been warned. Do not smoke that crack pipe if you're at work. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so much for being here, Scott. And to everybody that's listening, thank you so much for being here and have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. The Loans On Demand 